Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you and I hope you enjoy this episode. Well, hey, it is Friends and Family Month and so we are keeping it fresh in July. That's the whole idea of Friends and Family Month. And so I'm excited. Last week was incredible with Pastor Aaron Creasy, our young adults, Pastor him and Liz do an amazing job bringing a fantastic word called Season Seasons. And it is on YouTube if you want to go check it out and you missed it last week. Um, but we're going to keep going, keep rolling with Friends and Family Month this month. We've got something exceptional, I believe, this morning. We have three speakers this morning. And we're calling this segment 10 Minutes of Thunder. And so we have, um, we have three people speaking this morning. And the idea here is that our church, that you, our church, will get to experience some of the amazing team that we have, some of the great staff, people that are leading our ministries, people that are um, you know, serving the vision of Colonial Church. Um, and it's really, really exciting. We've got a little preaching uh, crew up here. This is our encouragement bench right here. So these guys, come on, let's give it up for these guys. They're up here. They're going to be, they're going to be preaching they're going to be preaching down the preacher up here. And so I'm really excited. But we're going to kick it off right now with none other than Ali Crum. So let's give it up for Ali Crum as she comes up right now to preach the word. Come on. Let's go. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. You guys hear me okay? Yeah, incredible. Well, hey, so first of all, a big hello to everyone watching online. We love you, and we're so glad you guys are here with us this morning. So that was just a quick glimpse of Youth House, and I have the honor of being one of the Youth House directors here, and it's never a dull moment, as we like to say. <laughs> um, so with that being said, I want to give you guys a quick glimpse into what happens at Youth House, because God is just doing something so incredible and so powerful. And, you know, we're actually going to summer camp. Tomorrow, we are leaving, and it's all week. We're going to Daytona, Florida for Passion Camp, and we are believing that God is just going to completely just blow us away. And, you know, the biggest thing that myself and also Tim that we're believing for is that students are going to come back just transformed, full with the Holy Spirit, inspired, encouraged. And I know for me personally, the biggest thing that I want to encourage you guys with is that my prayer is that they would be a blessing to you that they're gonna come back and actually be ready to build the church and be ready to inspire, to encourage, and to bring wisdom and all that's in store for that. And so we are leaving tomorrow. Like I said, it's never a dull moment. Um, I like to call them youths, <laughs> is what I like to call them, um, middle school and high schoolers. And so actually, if you are a youth in this room, um, I actually, a lot of them are back and all in kids serving this morning. So if you are here in this room, you are invited, middle school and high schooler, Wednesday night, 6 to 7.30, and we're back in the warehouse space. There's only certain times where, you know, in here, special occasions. We do all know warehouse space. <laughs> um, but with that being said, I want to encourage us all this morning um, around from one generation to the next. I love talking about the generations. It's something that I'm very passionate about. And when, it, when I think about Youth House, I think about 
you know, the stories and, and the memories and the God moments that you remember for the rest of your life. And it actually sustains you and it actually pushes you forward to the rest of your life. But I think about this and um, <laughs> to be honest, um, I have a personal story of myself that I want to share. And um, I was in the 11th grade, I was 16 years old and I had just spoken at a youth night. And after I was done speaking, I just walked off and Phyllis Rockshaw, um, she came up to me and she, she told me that she felt like, um, you know, that she feels like, you know, that God had spoken to her, that I have the anointing and calling to speak. And I was 16, I was in 11th grade, a little did I know what that meant, but I remember that moment. And I think about the generations because it's not just the young generation coming up, but it's both the, I like to say the well-experienced, <laughs> if you guys are okay with that, the well-experienced, the well-lived, um, that's what I like to say. But I've never forgotten that moment because it's just not the younger generations, it's the old as well, it's the in-between. It's not either or, but it's both. Um, hey, Burn, what's up? I was really hoping you were gonna be here. How <laughs> was all in kids, it was good? Awesome. Awesome. I was kind of sad, to be honest, when I saw, I'm excited about All in Kids, but I was hoping you're going to be here because, you know, youth house. All right, great. Sorry, I had to take care of that. <laughs> um, but with that being said, I want to read to you guys um, a verse, and it's Psalm 145, verse 4, and it says this, generation after generation stands in awe of your work. Each one tells stories of your mighty acts. And I think about Youth House and that's what I see. I think about my personal story and Miss Phyllis and that one night at youth, she was always standing in the back. She's always observing. She, she always knows what's going on. And I'll never forget that moment meant so much because yes, she spoke up, but it was God inspired. And so yes, it might be, you know, someone else, um, like I said, the well experienced, the well lived, but you guys actually have so much gold inside of you. And obviously I love youth with all my heart, but I also really love the generations. And so this morning, I really wanna encourage you around that. Um, so with that being said, um, my first thing that I wanna encourage you guys is yes, you. Yes, you have the potential to encourage someone else. And I love this story in the Old Testament. It's one of my absolute favorites. It's 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 8 through 9. And it's talking about how um, Samuel um, is growing up and learning things in the temple, and Eli is taking care of him. And of course, like all good stories, it takes the third try until something finally clicks. And what happens is that Samuel wakes up and, you know, in the middle of the night, and he keeps waking up thinking that it's um, thinking that it's Eli calling him, but really it's God. But it took the wisdom of Eli to recognize that it was actually God who was calling him. And so I wanna read you guys this first. And it says, a third time the Lord called Samuel and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized, again, this is the well-experienced generation. You're able to realize and see things, okay? It says, the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. It took the gold inside the well-experienced generation to call out and recognize something was happening in someone else's life. And I think it's so beautiful. 
and so powerful because I actually believe there's potential and there's power inside of you that you may not realize. But I really do believe that I hope this encourages the well-experienced generations, all generations as a whole, that you actually have the potential to bring freedom through, through God, through the Holy Spirit, bring freedom, bring potential, encourage them, and that you still have a purpose. I, you know, I think about this, you know, when you're younger, you always wish you were older, right? <laughs> if you, like, if, if I could only, for instance, I hear this all the time, I just need to get my driver's license, I just want to go to Chick-fil-A, like, you know, I just want to go shopping. Um, but then I think about the well-experienced generation, they're like, I'm not as young as I used to be. And it's always like, it's the back and forth, it's never like an in-between. But I really want to encourage us this morning is that from one generation to the next, that we were all called with the purpose and have the potential to unlock freedom and breakthrough. And if it takes a 24-year-old up here encouraging this morning around that, I hope that you are able to unlock that potential, that you do have a purpose still, and that the younger generations are so hungry for it. (laughs) They may not always say it, (laughs) but they actually are hungry for it. They're hungry for wisdom. They're hungry for the stories and the trials that you have lived through because they were not always easy, but they are powerful. And what really essentially what it is, is that it's testimonies. And there is a power and a testimony and all of us in this room have a testimony. And so I pray that would just encourage you. All right, you guys feeling this, it's good? All right, awesome, great. Youth lingo, I don't know. (laughs) All right, so second thing I wanna encourage you guys with is that it's never too late. And I love this because this morning, um, actually during Team Rally, Pastor Chris actually said this, but I already had it written down in the notes. Um, (laughs) But I love this moment. Um, Last week in the staff space, um, we were talking about Passion Camp because he's going as well. All-nighters, right? All-nighters? Yeah? Ready for it. It's going to be great. I'll be posting about it. So if you guys want to know what's happening, just give me a follow. (laughs) Um, So with that being said, um, I love this conversation that we had. And one thing that he said is that he would not be here today unless for an encounter that he had on a youth camp. And so I think about this this younger generation that is about to go on a youth trip that are gonna come back so inspired, so encouraged, they're gonna have an encounter. But with that being said, is that the well experience and all of us above, (laughs) is that we as well are never too old to have a real authentic encounter with God. We're never too far gone from that. It's never too late. And I think about that moment because I think it's true for a lot of us that in our youth years, we have those moments that we hold on to for the rest of our lives. And I think it really just signified what's really gonna happen next week. And, you know, I I think about as well, um, encounters, they leave us forever changed. You, you don't go through an encounter the same as you came into it. You leave different, right? You leave different. And so when you go through an encounter, you can have it at any given moment. But the best place to do that is in the house of God, in church, around community, with friends, from the younger generations to the well-experienced. I love saying that, by the way. <laughs> to the well-experienced, that you can have a moment of encouraging each other from one generation to the next. It can't be either or, but it's both together. So I just want to leave with this verse. I see we got 53, 52. Are you guys counting down? Are you guys going to do that? All right. I'm going to read this verse to you guys and end on this. And it says this. The spirit, not content to flit around on the surface, dives into the depths of God and brings out what God planned 
all along. Whoever knows what you're thinking and planning except you yourself. The same with you, God, except that he not only knows what he's thinking, but he lets us in on it. God lets us in on it. So the desires that you have in your heart, a purpose, all generations, no matter what the age, that you still have a purpose and a plan, and the desires that you have are not random, but they're full of power and that they are God-inspired from one generation to the next. It's never too late. You're never too far gone to have a real, authentic encounter with God. Woo! And it's going to be powerful and incredible. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's lift it up for Allie. So good. Yes. Wow. 10 minutes. Come on, stay standing with me. Come on, stand up with me. Because next up, we're going to get straight into it. We have Mackenzie Gamble coming right now to bring the word to preach. Come on, Kens. Let's lift it up. Come on. Yeah, you guys can sit down, please. Just before we get into it, I need to take a second and honor pastors Matt and Jill. Raise your hand if you've been positively impacted by their leadership. You should all have your hand raised because you're in this church, but I'm better because of you guys, and so thank you for the way that you lead and the way that you love people. And so I'm excited. This is my excited face, by the way. (laughs) And so we're just going to be diving right in, Acts 3, starting in verse 2. It says this, Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. It's awesome, and I've entitled this mini-message, Get Up. I was asking God what he wanted to say, and he was like, tell them to get up. I was like, are you sure that's what you want me to say? (laughs) But here we are. And so this man that we see in Acts 3, he's lame from birth. And later on in Acts 4, we find out that the time of this miracle, he was 40 years old. And so for 40 years, he would have been struggling. For 40 years, he would have been suffering, probably disappointed in God. He would have been seen as a downcast by society simply for his condition. And I think that in this place, we all have a struggle. Ouch. We all have a struggle. And I don't say that to be negative, but I'm pretty sure none of us walked into church perfect. And by the way, we need to stop being mad at our struggle because if there's no struggle in Acts 3, there's no miracle in Acts 3. You know, Jesus tells us in John 16, like, in this world, you will have trouble. Not that you might, but that you will. And I don't think he tells us that to scare us, but rather that we would know that we have to rely and lean on Jesus in the middle of our struggle. And so... Sometimes if we're not careful, we can be like the man in Acts 3. For 40 years, we're struggling, we're disappointed, and we allow our struggle to actually tell us who we are. We begin to walk with a spiritual limp, and we think that that limp is our life. You know, I, I have an illness, so I'm sick. 
I'm alone, so I'm unworthy of love. I'm depressed, so I'm defeated, right? Like these are real thoughts and feelings that we have, but it couldn't be farther from the truth. We can allow our circumstances to determine our future, right? I struggle with sin. I struggle with anxiety. I struggle with anger. So I guess this is just how it's always going to be. This is my life. This is how it is, and it's never going to change. But Acts 3, we can actually learn some things this morning. So are you up for it? Are you ready to learn some things? Point one, there is more. There's more for you. God has more for your life. You see, I don't think that the guy in Acts 3 was actually expecting to be healed on this particular day. Why would he? He went there every day for 40 years and nothing ever happened. Like if that was me, I would be pretty disappointed in God. I would be down and out. I probably would feel hopeless. So much so that when Peter and John walk by, two guys who are known for doing life with Jesus intimately, the man doesn't even ask them for the very thing in which he's most desperate for. What does he ask them for? He asks them for money. And money's not bad, by the way. Who likes me? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's not bad. Money actually would have improved his situation if you think about it, right? He wouldn't have been able to earn a wage due to his condition, and so money would have provided him with the means to buy food, to have shelter, perhaps. It would have helped him to survive. But as Christians, just surviving is not the goal. We aren't meant to just barely make it scrape by. Jesus didn't die on the cross so that you could survive. Jesus died on the cross so that we could have life and life to the full. But I love what happens as this story progresses is that there was more for the man, right? He asked for money, but what does he get? He receives healing. God had more for him and he has more for you as well. If we're not careful, we can be like the man and we just, right? The text tells us he expected to get something from them. He was like, I'm desperate. I'll take anything. That, that thing that looks like the miracle, that thing that looks like the blessing, I'll take that. That would be great. And God's saying, no, I have more for you. I don't want to just give you a quick fix. I don't want to put a Band-Aid on your pain, but I want to transform your entire life so that you can get up and walk into what I have for your life. God has more for you. And point two, progress is a process. It's a process. And it's not super fun to think about or talk about, right? We want the miracle. I want to see it instantly. And even though this miracle happens really quickly in Acts 3, there's still a process that takes place, right? The guy is lame. And then he encounters Peter and John. And Peter tells him, you know, get up. And he stands to his feet. He gets a help up from Peter. His ankles and his feet are strengthened and then he's able to walk and then he jumps and then he leaps and he goes on praising God and telling about the miracle that had taken place. There's a process. And there's purpose in every single part of the process, right? You can't walk until you get up. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's physically impossible. You can fact check me later, but you can't run until you walk. There's purpose in every step of the process. And you see, I think the most important part of the process that we actually see in this text is when his feet and his ankles are strengthened. Because given that this guy had been lame his entire life, he had never walked in his entire life, he would have had severe muscle atrophy from the waist down. 
And so his body literally would not have been conditioned to get up and to walk into the miracle that God had set before him. There was strengthening that needed to first take place so that he could get up and walk into his miracle, right? And so I believe that God is strengthening you. He's strengthening me as we're in the process so that we can get up and walk into all that God has for us. And that we wouldn't be getting up and walking with a limp, but that we would be walking fully healed forward in freedom into the things that God has for our lives. So don't despise the process. There is purpose in it. But I know that it's challenging, right? You might not be in your miracle right now. You might be in the middle. You might be in the like awkwardly trying to get up phase. You might be jumping. I don't know where you're at, but we need to celebrate the progress as it's happening. You know, if you could just insert yourself into Acts 3 for just a moment, if you knew this guy is being lame, laying there all his life, if you saw him stand up, you wouldn't wish that you saw him walking. Right, you wouldn't think, wow, I wish that guy was already an Olympic athlete. You'd be like, that's amazing. I've never seen him stand up and he's standing up. Praise God for that. And so celebrate your progress. I wanna end with this last thought. It's only like eight minutes of thunder, but you'll have to get over it. (laughs) And so I wanna challenge you to meditate on this thought, maybe implement this sentence into your prayer life, and I believe that God will shift your perspective when it comes to the area of struggle in your life. I might not be where I want to be yet. That's real. God, I'm I'm not where I wanna be. I haven't seen you deliver me yet. I haven't seen you heal me yet. But thank God that I'm not where I used to be either. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on. That was amazing. Wow. What just happened? That was absolutely incredible. I think we all need to stay standing because we're going to keep moving right now. And we have none other than Pastor Bob Appleby finishing off for us right now. Come on, Bob. Okay, right, no, no, don't, don't sit, don't sit, don't sit. I just want to take a couple of minutes. I want to honor those two women of God that preached. Can we give it up for them one more time? Just amazing. And would you join hands with me and just honor our pastors for giving us this opportunity, the vision that God has placed within their hearts that we follow. And then would you lift your hands and let's honor Jesus. Jesus, we come to you today so thankful for who you are, what you've done, what you're going to do. We know you are not done yet with any of us. And so now, Father, we lift up our faith. Our eyes are to you. We are looking forward to what you are going to do, the lives that are going to be transformed, the relationships that are going to be repaired. Lord, we are looking for you to do the impossible that's in our eyes, but in your eyes, it's not difficult at all. So we raise that right now. We raise our faith and we look to you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Don't be seated yet. Okay, don't be seated yet. We're not done. Um, and don't start that timer yet. If we're... Please. At least 10 minutes, just hold on. I want you to pair up with someone, find someone and pair up with them. Two people, don't let anybody be alone. Just look at them, like square off at them, like you're gonna speak into their lives, okay? Just, this is an easy thing, folks. You shouldn't be difficult. Okay, make sure, if there's a third person, make sure they're coupled with somebody else, okay? 
Now determine who's going to speak first, and then determine who's going to go second. Are you ready? The first person speaks. Look into the eyes of the person next to you and say this. God is not mad at you. Good job. Now, the second person say to the first person, God is not mad at you. Now, if you're a third person, I want everybody to look at the third wheel, okay? Everybody look at the third person and shout it out loud. God is not mad at you. Amen. You may be seated. And you may start the timer. Uh, Today, I want to come against one of the greatest lies that has been perpetuated throughout all of Christianity. It's a lie that is so powerful, so strong, that it has gripped almost every believer that has ever drawn breath. Some of you here today are probably in bondage to this, the fact that you might be thinking that God is mad at you. Well, I don't want to just say God's mad at you. I don't want to just say God's not mad at you. I want to prove to you from the word of God that God is not mad at you. What I say matters not. What God says stands tall, amen? And so Jesus himself said, when you know the truth, what's the truth going to do? It's going to make you free. And so today we are going to be free from the lie of the enemy. I want you to listen to what it says in Isaiah 54. God says this, for this is like the waters of Noah to me. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah would no longer cover the earth, so have I sworn. Now, God's repeating a promise. Not repeating one. He's giving us a new one. The first promise is that ever since the flood, God said, I will never let the waters of the earth cover the earth again. There will never be like that once again. And God's kept his word, has he not? There's never been another flood. Now, God's saying equal to that promise. Uh, The significance of the promise that we just talked about, I'm going to give you another promise and I need you to hear this promise. This promise is going to last forever. This promise is not going to be something that is fleeting. This promise is yours to hold on to for all of eternity. Are you ready for it? Here it is. So that I have sworn that I would not be angry with you nor rebuke you. Isaiah 54 verse 9. God says, I'm not angry with you. I'm not going to rebuke you. He goes on. He says, for the mountains shall depart. The hills can be removed, but my kindness, the Hebrew word for kindness is hesed. Can you say that without spitting? Try it. (laughs) And it's been translated grace. It's been translated compassion. It's been translated loving kindness. God says my kindness. What does he say? It shall not be departing from you, and my covenant of peace will not be removed. The word peace there is the Hebrew word shalom. Now, peace is not just the absence of strife or the absence of enmity or the absence of conflict. Peace is the presence of God in the midst of all of that. You know, we've heard the phrase, nothing missing, nothing broken, but I got to tell you, the word peace, the shalom word, goes way deeper than just that. It has five meanings that were used in all of the Old Testament. It means prosperity. It means health. It means safety. It means peace. It means wholeness. And God goes on and on, and God says that covenant of peace, that covenant of shalom is not going to be removed from you. It will be there forever. Who says it? God says it, who has mercy on you? Now, mercy is not getting what we deserve, right? Grace is getting what we don't deserve. Think about that. 
And God lavishes us with his mercy and with his grace. I love the part in the word where it just talks about the fact that God loves us and that he knows what's going on in our hearts. You might have been told by a religious leader, a parent, a well-intentioned Christian, that when you sin, God's mad at you. You might have been told that and as a lie. It, look, it, it could have been done in, in like, you know, real honesty and sincerity. Because we know that sin angers God, so that must mean I anger God. Think about it. And the enemy wants that to be rolling around in your mind over and over and over and over again. Why would you ever approach a God who's mad at you? Why would you ever approach a God who's disappointed in you? Why would you ever approach a God who's going to punish you? That's not what God says in his word. Uh, the, the, the mountains can go, the hills can go, but my word is gonna stand fast. My kindness, my grace, my chesed, my compassion, my love will not depart from you. I am not angry with you. He's not angry. If God's not angry, that means he's happy with you. I mean, he's overjoyed. The Bible, I saw a bumper sticker one time that said, uh, God danced the day you were born. Isn't that fantastic? I love it. The Bible does dance. The Bible says that God does do that. He rejoices over us with singing. He rejoices over us with dancing. And that word dancing means to whirl around and just to get all excited, like we just scored a touchdown. You know, each and every one of us have this spiritual homing device that God has placed within us. It's like a beacon that is calling us home. Everyone has it from every time, every place, every tribe, every tongue, every nation. Doesn't matter where you were born. Doesn't matter what language you speak or spoke or what your nationality is or anything. There's, there's, there's this attraction that God has placed on the inside of you that is drawing you towards him. God said, I've placed eternity in every man's heart. And the issue, though, is that even though I'm attracted to God, even though I want to be connected with my creator, even though I don't know a whole lot about him, I feel as if he's angry with me. And because he's angry with me, I cannot approach him. So what do we do? How, how, how do we fight that? Guilt and condemnation and remorse all become walls that separate us from God. They divide us from the intimacy that Jesus died for. This is the lie that's going to get blown up today. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, coupled with the authority of the Word of God, many of you here today are going to walk away free. You're going to walk outside of these doors. You're going to look up into the sky, and you're going to know that the God of the creator of this universe loves you, died for you, and will do anything that he can for you. God is not mad. He's not mad at you. Well, what about my sin? I knew you were going to ask that question. There is no sin. There is no amount of condemnation. There is no amount of guilt or remorse that the devil can throw at you that the blood of Jesus Christ has not already removed. It's gone. It's absolutely gone. And not only that, the enemy uses the lie as a weapon. But I love what it says in Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 17. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. No weapon. Somebody shout no weapon. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Not your pastors, not your team leader, you do it. When the enemy comes against you and says, God's mad at you, you say, sit down, shut up. 
In Jesus' name, go. God loves me. You, God loves me. You, no weapon for it. Listen, and every tongue that rises up against you, you shall condemn. This heritage, this privilege, this right is from me, says the Lord, and their righteousness is from me. We have become inward focused because tradition kind of teaches us to do that. Tradition says you got to get a better self. You go to church, you just got to improve. You got to stop sinning. You've got to be different. You've got to be like this. And you know what? If you do that, you'll make God happy. But the problem is the more we search, the more we find. The more I find, the worse I feel. The worse I feel, the more unworthy I am. The more unworthy I am, the more condemnation I have. And the less I want to go to God. But you know the weird thing about it is that when I'm going towards Jesus, you know what he is? He's my forgiver. So why would I not take my car that is broken to just enjoy? Why would I not take my broken, sinful nature to the healer, Jesus Christ? Amen? That's what he did. So if I have a plumbing problem, I'm going to call a plumber. If I have a car problem, I'm going to call Justin. If I have a doctor, a health problem, I'm going to go to a doctor. But if I have a sin problem, I'm going to go to Jesus. Somebody say amen to that. See, that's who takes it away. He takes it away. And the problem is we become sin-focused instead of Savior-focused. We, we, we become guilt-focused instead of grace-focused. We become failure-focused instead of the forgiver-focused. He is the great I am. And he's telling you today, I am your savior. I am your propitiation. I am your lamb. I am your Passover. I am your sacrifice. I am the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. And I love you. And I am not mad at you. And I got to tell you this one thing. I've got 30 more minutes of sermon, but I'm jumping all the way through to the end because I think you got, see, look at this. Go, 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 go. Let's go. I'm telling you, this is unbelievable. Okay, ready? Here we go. That was all introduction. Romans 5, 17. Those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life. Team, come up. I'm so sorry. Team, come up. They will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. If you're not reigning in life, it's quite possible you've not received the gift of righteousness. If you're not reigning in life, it's quite possible you've not received the abundance of grace. But I don't know about you. I love what it says in Ephesians chapter 1. It says this, for by the blood of Christ, we are set free. That is, our sins are forgiven. How great is the grace of God. Listen, would you please stand? This is why we sing. This is why we shout. This is why we dance. This is why we raise our hands. This is why we rejoice. This is why we smile. We don't do it just to have a pep rally. We do it because we're forgiven. The shame is gone. The guilt is gone. And God loves you and is not mad at you today. Would you please raise your hands? Father, in Jesus' name, we bless you and we thank you. Lord, there's not enough time in the day to talk about all the goodness that you have for us. There's not enough days in the year to discuss all the stuff that you have for us. But the one thing we know of today, Father, is that you are not mad at us. We receive, we receive your joy. We receive your acceptance. We receive your adoption. We receive your forgiveness. We receive your grace. We receive your love. And we praise you, God, for who you are and what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you and empowered you in all that God's got for you. Why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it. We'd love for you to also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed.